Beer is awesome, but sometimes the world of beer can be intimidating. As a team of four women with diverse point of views, from our cultures to our roles in the industry, we're here to share with you the real faces behind the bubbly, crispy drink we all love, and yes, really, all drink. Happy Pod Day. Happy, happy Pod Day. day. Well, it's so exciting because I'm always like happy to see you guys because it's been a, a month since I've seen you guys. You say that at the beginning of every episode, Breeze. You're like, because you're like I'm not a brewer anymore. I don't miss you guys. I don't see people ever. <laughs> I just, I no. live in, again, my comfort zone is my apartment and my neighborhood. That's it. Uh, so this guest that we have coming up today, he is not only a friend of mine, but I consider him family and we're all big fans of him and his wife and his family and his brewery. I am born and raised in Los Angeles. I think we all know this. I'm a big fan of the West Coast. Again, New York is, I feel, very much my home, and L.A. is very much my heart. To, to, so to have this guest on today means the world to me because his brewery is one of my favorites back home. I always go there whenever I go visit, and I will be there in two weeks, and I will be very much seeing him. I think this podcast is going to be released when I'm already out there, so like I can't wait. So... Can I say who he is already? Yeah, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's Matt Garcia, owner of Homage. And also Matt is has an amazing partner along with this company, who is Lauren, his wife. Amazing and beautiful and stylish and gorgeous. And I want them to adopt me. But I these, was going to say, I'm like, damn, it sounds like you want them to be your parents. I really <laughs> want, I want to call them mom and dad. Uh, but they're amazing people. And I always love talking about Matt's Brewery. And I love talking about their program and their space. And we actually get to go through it in detail in this podcast. So I just can't wait. I don't know. Are you guys ready? Hell yeah. I think this is where the music should start coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Garcia from Homage. Hello. Welcome. Hello. How's it going? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Uh, we're very big fans here from all the way in the East Coast. Again, mind you, you know that I am from LA. So to have you here is like having a piece of home on the screen right now. Aww. Just, you know, talking to us. So I'm really, really excited to have you here. And um, well, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I know Andreina is too, and Ayana. And I know Sydney here is uh, getting to know you and your brewery as well and your program and how you got started. So I promise you this. I know by the end of this interview, she's going to be also <laughs> a very big fan, fan alongside with us. So um, how, do, how do we get started? How, where do we even begin? Do we begin like where were you born? Your, what your favorite color is? How was Amaj <laughs> birthed? Yeah. Where did it come from? Yeah. How did you think of all these really cool ideas and all these cool aesthetics how'd you put it all together yeah so i know that yeah. you guys started in pomona your second location now is in chinatown so let's just go ahead and start there how did how did homage come to be um so <clears throat> my background was in music once i had graduated high school i'd been playing in bands and doing that whole bit and um uh, fresh out of high school i was signed onto a record label, Metal Blade Records, and I did a bunch of touring with my band. Um, we put out a CD, uh, an album. I say CD and it's like extinct now, but yeah, I put <laughs> in an album and um, and we did like uh, about two or three years of touring. I did the work tour twice and um, and a full US, one full US <laughs> tour. And, um, and that's kind of where like my whole, like that's what I wanted to do. That was like my whole, um, focus in terms of my career and what I wanted to do. And um, it kind of <clears throat> kind of started to, you know, with anybody working with a group of friends and uh, we started to kind of go different ways and we're getting a little bit older and, uh, you know, tour life is rough. And so we all started to kind of go different directions. And, um, and I was working at the time when I'd be home um, from playing on tour or whatnot, I'd be, I had a job at Yard House. Um, and I was getting familiar with all the different beers from around the world, basically because of their extensive tap list that they have there. Um, and uh, I think they have like over 200 beers on draft. And so uh, learning about first and foremost, I was really getting um, learning about like Belgian beer and the origins of that. And it was just, it, it really kind of captivated me in the sense of like, you know, I was just so used to you know, like the Sierra Nevadas and stuff that I loved, you know, or, you know, growing up drinking like Rolling Rock and Corona and, and those things. I mean, that's what I knew. 
and then learning about delirium and and um Chimay and um who garden and all these different belgian breweries started to really kind of open my mind and um entice me to this crafter world and at that time you know you had the stones the victories the uh bells um all of those kind of craft breweries from the 90s that were really kind of juggernauts at the time exploding the craft beer scene and and so um you know we had stone and alpine and breweries like that that were really kind of leading the charge in that west coast ipa um front and kind of just blowing up the market in that sense and so I was just right in the center of that, working at a place that kind of uh, focused on beer. Um, but I gravitated more towards the Belgian stuff, and I started to really dive deep into um, home brewing. And I bought a kit, started making some brews at home. And initially, I wanted to try to make some like a Brett IPA was kind of like my first initial idea, which was Breckner, which we still have in in our program. Um, but I liked the idea of kind of combining Belgian elements with an IPA. Um, and so that was kind of like the origins of me, like starting something that was going to be my project, but it was going to be a little bit more on the wild side um, and using influence from like Phantom and Cantillon and Drifontaine, um, all these different breweries that I was just really fond of and looked up to. Um, I was kind of wanting to, expose that element and the way I always looked at beer and I looked at those styles of beers was kind of like wine like it was like the there was kind of there was like a class classiness to it or like a, a you know like a very limited exclusiveness to that and um you know the bottles were a little bit more expensive Cantillon was hard to find and things like that and that that kind of intrigued me to the element of like not having beer so accessible and like there's hype behind it there's there's a, a demand but the supply and demand isn't you know it's, it has that whole thing in place where there's not a lot of it around you kind of had to source it or find a place that carried these bottles and there were rare finds um so that was kind of like the origins of like what i wanted to do with homage um after my band and um and i i came up with the name just thinking and, and i remember i was went going to sleep one night and I was just trying to come up with a name for the project and I remember I was like well why don't I take all the things that influenced me from an artistic standpoint the same way I used in writing music and things like that and apply that to this but you know I always kind of deep down thought like every idea comes from something that you're influenced from so why not kind of show a sense of humility and this project is going to be shown as a sense of humility to all the things I'm inspired by and that's why I picked the name homage I wanted it to be like okay like I'm taking different aspects of culture art um you know wherever whatever source I can find that may give me that drive to innovate or push me to um, create I'm using those different elements and blending them together and like paying homage to them so that's kind of the origins of the project, really. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a really well said. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and um, Ooh. Oh, nice. to it's that. Time. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just cheers you from all the way over yeah. here. On... <laughs> cheers it's amazing. Homage. Yeah. I have, I have one of my beers in the garage. I, I should go get it. I'll go take a break. get it. Yeah. Go get it. But we no, can edit. Can... It's fine. We can pause. Okay. Do it. Grab one. Right. Give me one second. Run. <laughs> We're not going anywhere. <laughs> we'll be right here. <laughs> Welcome back. What beer are you drinking? Uh, Tristeza. It's our. I've had that. I've had that. It's our. It's our North German uh, lager that we modeled after Yever, one of our uh, one of my favorite lagers. Uh, nice and crisp, and has a little bit of a hot bite. And again, the label on that. I know we're going to get to that in a little bit. For those who don't know about Homage and and your beer program, can you let us know like what Homage focuses on in terms of what you guys produce there? Yeah. So I've always I've always kind of my element is kind of taking like classic styles and kind of putting our our little twist on it, but not venturing too far off the grid with that. Um, just because it's kind of like the, the way I like to drink beer. I, I still love like the Orvals. I love, you know, the, just like the classic um, 
the classic beer styles they've always just that's just what I kind of came up on drinking and so I wanted this project to kind of have that integrity of not venturing too far from those and so everything we do we try to look at those and kind of look at the recipe you know and then find our way of doing it kind of okay well we can use this hop and you know make it unique in our own way and so homage has always been a project like that like even with um our wild like our saison program like i've always i've never called them sours i never called them you know method traditional or anything like that although we you know there are tart aspects of it but i tried to keep them very well balanced and that was part of this project was like, I wanted to make saisons, but approachable, nothing too offensive, nothing that's going to, you know, have a sharp acidity in your gut where you can't drink it and you get, you know, um, acid reflux and things like that. So I wanted to make a product. So like, basically, when I would look at like the way you brew Lambic beer, I took elements and like what really rang a bell with me about reading the production of Lambic beer and all this is like they kind of did what was necessary for them on their equipment and so like all these different step mashes and turbine mashes and things like that like they did what worked for them because that's what worked for them so i wanted to kind of apply that same element to us and not like copy it and be like okay i have to do step-by-step -step method traditional like let's do what works for us because then we're taking that same philosophy that belgians are using for them but what works for us efficiency wise for us so we still do you know the long three to four hour boils with aged tops and things like that but all the other stuff if it doesn't work for us and we can still make a product that, you know, is influenced by it, but still homage. Um, that's that's our goal. And that's like, that's the innovative part of it. That's like creating something new, taking elements that you're influenced by and kind of making it your own. And so that's kind of how I saw making different beers was like, okay, like they did it this way, but what works for us? And is it still good? Let's, you know, let's trial and error this. Okay, yeah, that's awesome. It's amazing. I think we're on to something. And then as you guys all know, as brewers, like you just kind of refine, 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 and you're never finished refining. You're always doing that. It can always be better in some, you're always falling short in some area, even if it's minuscule. And that's that's the beauty of being an artist, right? It's just kind of like fixing those little different things. Um and it's never perfect, but, but that's kind of how, that's kind of how this project looks at beer. And I think we primarily focus on saisons at the core, um, at the core of what we do. And then like, I think our second, you know, like our second most <clears throat> looked at beer in terms of how we detailing them and, and looking at the, the, the uh, makeup of it would be loggers and um, IPAs and, you know, other other styles within that category. But loggers and saison seem to be kind of what we really hang our hat on in terms of um, like just making a bunch of them. It's really yeah. cool to, that you came to this industry through music because you can really hear it in the way that you're talking about, the way that you think about beer, like taking those traditional things and figuring out how what your sound is and it really yeah. like it sounds like hip-hop and jazz and just like right taking these like I don't know just like really old school ideas that you like learn all the rules just so you can break them and like figure out how you define genres and like who you are as an artist and it really does make it like the way you talk about it really makes it feel like artistry and yeah. like there's so much creativity in brewing. I think it's what draws a lot of people to it. Um, but it's cool to think about it like music and like making covers, you know, yeah. like a like no, cover band. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, that's really what it, what it is. I, I think that's the only way I knew how to think about it because that was my background before. Mm -hmm. And so you're 100% correct. I mean, um, that's, that's how I, I look at it. I, I, I take things just to kind of break them down and then, put them back together, but my way, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it, it works sometimes and it doesn't always work just like music too. Like you have good songs <laughs> and you have like a song that you look back and you're like, Oh, that was not great. You know, but <laughs> it's a part of the, it's a part of the growing process. You know, the way that you just said earlier about, um, you compare being an artist to, to creating beer 
And I thought that was just really beautiful the way that it's like, well, that's what it's like being an artist. You know, you're trying to figure things out and sometimes things don't work. And to see it from that perspective is awesome because you sometimes lose sight of what it is that you're doing or brewing when you're just doing it so much every yeah. single day and it just becomes a job rather than it being something that you fell in love with in the beginning so i love that you very much compared like artistry to to art craft so i think that's great when when homage was starting off what were the challenges for this project of yours to to take off biggest challenges of, i mean and still to this day have always been financial i mean just owning a small business and and um you know the sheer volume that you have to do in order to you know, turn this into a career and, and turn this into a career for other people um, is always been, I think, our biggest challenge. And, you know, it's it's never, but it's never kept me down. It's always, I've always tried to find a way to keep this project alive and and do what we need to do. And, um, and you know, whether that was getting funding for my first location, finding a way. Um, then once we got that, you know, you know, building the business and, and taking step after step to be able to have equity to make a splash and um, find a place in downtown LA where there's even more foot traffic. And I felt like it could allow us to flourish and grow our name and grow our business even more. Um, and then taking that spot and now slowly, gradually growing into that. And we've only been there for two years. So I always look at it like, you know, I did start this business eight years ago, but with this brewery that I'm going on year three with and, and, in Chinatown, I feel like I'm, I've only been open for three years. Like that's how I look at it because I have so much growing to do into that building as well. And so it's a new baby and I, I have to treat it like that where I can't lose sight of and be complacent with certain things. And so, you know, from those hurdles, I think with anybody who's running, want to be running a business, like, you know, your financials to grow and expand at the speed you need to, I feel like are, are some of the biggest hurdles and stress factors that you deal with. And it's the things that, you know, from a creating aspect of it, I don't like, like, I'd rather shrug off and not have to worry about that, but <laughs> you can't, you know, you have to, you have to have money to keep doing what you love. And so, and, um, and so that those have been the biggest hurdles. And, and I think just like going with the, the waves, of the industry, but sticking to what you do best and believing in that and knowing that, you know, you're on track to something um, and you may have little, you know, moments and in, in, I've had moments in my career where, you know, I feel like, you know, where we strike and it's like, okay, that hit, that didn't. And then there's a lot of misses in between or, or a lot of things that, you know, even if they're not misses are great, they're just not, you know, relating with the, the consumer or not. So you have a lot of that too. And and I think that pushes drives drive to keep creating, to figure out what works for you as a brand, how you can create your own lane and keep driving down that lane successfully to where the consumer's, you know, liking and, and relating to your product um, and investing in your product. And so, uh, you know, all those aspects of marketing and all that stuff, I, I find to be a challenge and probably some of the biggest hurdles from day to day. Um, but I also embrace it because it just, grow, it, it helps me evolve and grow as a person. And so, you know, there's never been too big of a feat or too big of a hurdle that I never felt like I can come out of. I've, I've always felt like I can, um, you know, keep keep moving forward. And, and especially with my team, you know, they helped me get through it and I couldn't do it without them. So every, every single one of them knows the sacrifice and, all the stuff that we do, but they believe in the company and they, they keep help pushing me forward and driving me. And I, I hope I'm doing the same for them to keep, you know, pushing forward for the, and represent homage in this company. So, so yeah. Your first location is in Pomona out of yeah. all the places in LA to, to open up. Why Pomona? And where um, is Pomona? Like in Pomona is off of the ten or the sixty, okay. depending on which direction you're going. I'm not saying it's, that it's, it's I'm not asking it's the right? exit before. Yeah. Um, I'm not asking for freeze. me. What, I'm not asking for me. You we wanna, got the, we got audience all over the world. What does you Pomona wanna, mean? I don't you want to take the one ten to the sixty or the one ten to the ten? It's where Cal Poly is. <laughs> Cal Poly College is probably the biggest community thing that we got there because mm -hmm. it's like a little community at Cal Poly. Um, like how the, how like distance wise from like Hollywood like mm. what are we talking about with traffic or, about or rather between the two locations 
between Chinatown or, yeah, and Pomona? Like, what's, what's the distance? What's the distance between the two locations? Like 20, 20 miles. miles, 25 miles to Chinatown, yeah. to LA. I mean, to Hollywood, it's like 30, 30, 40 miles, maybe. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, driving wise, um, 25 minutes to Chinatown and about 35, 40 minutes to Hollywood. Okay. Oh, wow. I thought it was much longer. I feel yeah, like... I think of it as being pretty far that, away. That's from the going city. from that's going from Pomona to there. Coming back yeah. east mm. the other way? No, forget that. Change all I those know, times. Right? Add yeah. add another <laughs> hour to that. I know. I guess so we, that's, yeah. that's just going one direction. If we go west, it takes that. It there's not much traffic going west, but going east is where you get all the traffic. Uh, I don't so coming so. back, I have to mm -hmm. I have to add tack on like thirty minutes. So damn. Yeah. Yeah. I don't drive, so I'm over here like that's crazy. I do not miss it at all. Um, but again, so why why Pomona as a place to open up? Yeah. Oh hi, hi Miles. Oh, hi. <laughs> um so so Pomona was was we were looking we were initially started the project in Pasadena and um I I started it in my apartment with my wife and we were looking for a place in Pasadena. But at the time, um, there wasn't a lot of cities that were kind of like opening the door for breweries to open up. And there was a lot of red tape to n navigate around and things like that. And so I went to the city and to see first and foremost, if I would be able to open up a brewery over there. And, you know, there was, it was just kind of like, there was really no answer. It was like, well, you could submit, but it doesn't mean it'll get approved. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I need something a little bit more than that, you know, because I don't want to, we don't have a lot of um, equity to just kind of like throw away money to submit and hope that it goes through. So we were, we were um, looking around and um, I don't know, I don't know how I came across Pomona. I can't, I can't remember, but, but I do have a lot of ties to Pomona from my music days because there's two venues that are over there called the Fox Theater and Glasshouse and Glasshouse was like the heart of my age group, I guess millennials, um, kind of watching the whole uh, like emo, hardcore, metalcore um, music pass through there. And that's where all the shows were. They were all at Glasshouse. And so I used to find myself there, even when I didn't have a ticket to a show, just hanging out because all my friends would be there um, hanging out in Pomona at the, the shows. And so um, for a lot of us, in that you know 30 mid 30 age group um that's it's just a familiar venue that we all went to to go watch our favorite bands at that time in high school and after high school and so when i found the place it was next door to glass house and oh. i was like whoa this is cool like this is my youth living it all over again to be right next to this venue um i have so many fond memories here i played the glass house twice and like i was just like this is this is super it it's meant to be, you know, it's just because of the ties that I had. So. To your past. <laughs> that's beautiful. It's meant to be. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how we, we ended up there when we found that space. And it was kind of smaller than I wanted, but but um but location, location, location. It was just like right. it was too it was too cool to be next to those venues that we all grew up going to, you know. Um I mean I visit LA I mean, I have visited LA pretty frequently in the last like five or six years, and I always make a stop at your brewery. And the first time I went, I was like, holy shit, this is like really fucking cool. <laughs> I was like, the aesthetic is so dope. And it's one of the only places where you can find Terrace Bulba in a bottle. And oh, I've yeah. actually have given someone their first Terrace Bulba in your yeah. top room. Um, and that was really cool. Um, but I, I am a I, mean, I am a fan of like design and style and I've always admired your merch and the way you market your brewery. How did you come up with all that? Because I feel like it's super original. I can't really compare it to anything. Um, it definitely draws me in. It draws all my friends in. I mean, I heard about your brewery through a friend that I know that's not in beer. He's just really stylish. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, yo, you have to go there. And I'm like, yo, how do you know about this? Um, <laughs> and so I made sure to make it a stop for sure. And every time I go, I mean, I like hit Highland Park and then I hit your spot. Yeah. And um, it's never an issue to convince my friends to go there because they Same. always want to go. <laughs> yeah. Same. Well, yeah, the easy answer is I'd like to think that I had uh, taste before I met my wife. But the the real answer is I, I didn't have that much, you know. So, um, yeah, no, my my second part of me, my wife, she um, she's always been, you know, 
but like one of the reasons why you know i i saw her and i was just like okay like she dresses so cool like she's just cool she's listening to cool music and things like that and and um so you know being with her she's always kept me on my toes to kind of push myself in in a and not only from you know my creative aspect of where i was writing music and doing things like that or, or making beer but it, but it also kind of I, i'd always been into design so that was something that like i you know, I'd created merch um, in my band um, for for that stuff. So that that kind of led to that as well. But but in terms of having style and doing it, like yeah, like my wife, my wife is super cool. She has really <laughs> great style. She dresses well, and um, and that rubbed off on me. Um, and it was like almost like uh, seeing her as a muse um, a lot of times, and kind of you know feeding off of off of her creative energy from the aspect of of fashion and interior design and and things like that and so it, it's you know it's just drove my creativity even further in terms of like you know seeking out certain artists or certain designers or certain um you know fashion designers um interior designers you name it like it's just kind of broadened and expanded my research and you know that's what i've always done with music was like you know I've always just kind of researched music and looking, you know, deep into different genres and things like that. So I had that in me already. So just kind of, you know, jumping into, you know, whether it be fashion or whether it be architecture or design and things like that, like just kind of like just doing my research and being a student of all of that and kind of just like expanding where I could go on that. And I think that's really helped with the art direction and, helped me as a creative director for the brewery as well to kind of um, expand the vision I have for it and also seeing what was being done and kind of going against the grain or mm -hmm. trying to find my way like okay like this is what the landscape looks like for breweries right now how do I how do I fit in where how do I like put my vision out there and really kind of broaden the demograph in which people you know, are how how they're looking at beer. What what's enticing them? Or is is there another pocket of people that may not be looking at craft beer that I can entice with um, design, art, and things like that? So finding those aspects too kind of allowed me to um, expand and and grow in that in that area. To go along with with um, with. Andreina, what she was saying about your space and your design. When I, I'm a really big fan of your space. Uh, every time I go out, again, me being from there, I go out there about every four to six months back to LA and mm -hmm. going to your location in Chinatown is always, it's always like I, I have to go. And it's not just, uh, it's not just how great the, the beer is in your product. It's also the food program that you have. It's the way, the way you have completely designed the inside, the aesthetic of your space, of your tap room is so beautiful, Matt. It's so beautiful. Everything from like how like you're holding up the speakers to how the draft system looks in the back. It looks like you, it's, it doesn't just look like a warehouse, like an old yeah. garage that you just put neon lights in and then you just kind of, that's it, it's a brewery. The amount of detail and design that you put into your brewery speaks volumes to how much effort and love you put into not only your brand and your product, but also how you wanna share your space with the community. And another right. thing that I wanna tap into and, and ask you is not just the food program, but I wanna, I wanna, since you very much love music, I wanted to point out that you also added a turntable booth, right, in, yeah. in your space, in your tap room, which I know isn't common to see in breweries, uh, not just in Los Angeles, but across the board with other breweries and whether it's the Midwest or out here in the East Coast, you've very much implemented an experience that's not just music. I mean, that's not just beer, but it's music as well, because again, if this is your heart, it's what you love, it's what you and Lauren see, right, how you envision it. Can you Can you kind of paint a picture to us as to like the music program that you have there and what your intentions were when you thought about breaking, like opening up with that type yeah. of experience. So it was always part, it was always part of the plan to kind of like expand beyond beer. Um, and so, you know, one of the, one of the first and easy things was to look into fermentation and, you know, wine was a different avenue that we could go down and really experiment with that. 
and I, I wanted to tap into music and I've always wanted to tap into music with this brand as well. And, um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, we were kind of trying to find our way and how we were going to do that. And one of my good buddies that I met in Pomona, who's, um, was born in Pomona is, his name's Juan Isagura, is Guerra. And he, um, he would come to our brewery and he kind of like pitched this idea of like doing nights with his, um, friend Stephanie and, they started to do these awesome DJ nights at our place in Pomona. And when we we're doing, when we we're building out Chinatown, I didn't always plan to have like a hi-fi um, DJ booth. Like I did plan to have like nice speakers and do that whole bit, but like, I didn't, I didn't really like contemplate how I was going to like incorporate music, but then he started talking to me and we started like to start to jump around ideas and he's like dude like i can help you build like build a booth i know a lot of djs um i could do your programming blah 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 and it all started to click and kind of fall together and i mean honestly he's um he's the whole reason why we have the dj program at chinatown and not only do we have it but i mean we have a super one of the i you know one of the best programs in la of bringing on djs from I mean, all over the country, all over the world, really. I mean, we've had people from Spain play, we've had people from um, London, um, wow. Canada, um, and some really big names within that scene. And um, he's opened my my eyes and and you know, the what <clears throat> that whole DJ like community is, and and just like a, just a collection of amazing and talented artists and. Um, I mean, in all different colors too. I mean, like the inclusivity and in, in music is another thing that was always, you know, what kind of like why I wanted to bring it to the brewery because it reached it reaches to so many different cultures. It reaches to so many different people. I mean, it's something that we can all relate to and anything with the beat can make anybody move. And so that's what I wanted at our brewery. I wanted to bring in everybody and anybody and to kind of make it feel welcoming and something that's comfortable for people to just feel welcome to and so that whole program was like it, it was it was like always meant to happen but it happened organically just through meeting people and the person i work with is just amazing at what he does and um and yeah it's it's still growing and it's still we're still building on that um and you know hi-fi speakers and things like that. Those were interests I had. So it just only made sense when we started to build out to kind of like put it all together the way it is right now. Um, so I really want to talk about, I really want to talk about your spritz saisons. Yeah. Um, one who like, who's your, who's your brewer? Do you, do you brew the beer? <laughs> Does Lauren brew the beer? <laughs> who's the person that brews the stuff? Um, also in terms of the creatives of, of these styles that come up, uh, Again, like the spritz saison, I'm a really big fan of it. I, I just I want to know all of the things when it comes to that, and also who gets to brew all those good things over there. Yeah, right now me and um, me and Nick um, are brewing everything at at both of our locations. So I've been brewing most of the beer in Pomona, um, and um, Nick's doing most of the brewing in Chinatown. But he also comes over to Pomona and helps over there as well. Um, and we brought on some new brewers who are, are, are just starting to, um, Kramer is one of them. He used to be with three chiefs and, um, also to, uh, uh, what's, I can't think of the other brewery, but they're from Hawaii. Um, but anyhow, he, um, he's coming on board, but yeah. So the, the, the idea from the spritz came from my wife. Um, and then it kind of, it, it was like a spark. We were, we were listening to records in our, in our room and, and, uh, we were drinking wine spritzers. And she was like, okay, like, how do we make this but beer form? And I was like, what, like a wine spritzer? I'm like, well, we don't have our wine license. And she was like, yeah, no, I want to make like a wine spritzer. And I'm like, well, and then I started to like a light bulb went off. And I was like, what if we blended it with Saison? But, you know, more of it is Saison than wine. Then we can do that because it's a co-ferment. I'm like, actually, I think we can we can figure this out. And so I went to the drawing board and um, started to you know think about how i could develop this and where i could get grapes from um and have a continuous source of grapes to make it and uh so the idea was to get wine blend it with saison beer and then make it super spritzy but also make it low alcohol because mm -hmm. if you get wine 
it's usually high alcohol, but I wanted to keep it within that like four or 5% range so that it could be like something that you can just take down like a lager, like something that's easy drinking, something that's not too sour, um, very balanced, but fruity and refreshing. And it was kind of our um, answer to the whole, um, what do you call that? Seltzer like market uh, that, it, that like kind of blew up. So mm -hmm. seltzers, I never felt like were us. I was like, I don't really want to jump in the seltzer game. It's not me. I, I don't, I, and there's nothing wrong with them. It just didn't feel like our brand, right? And so like, that's from, that's from my point of view, that's where I was looking at from. And I was like, I don't want to do a seltzer. I'd rather do something that fits within what we're doing. And so, yeah, that's where that wine, that's where the wine spritzer kind of merged with a, Saison and um, and the Saison spritz came alive from that. It's a great example of what we were talking about earlier with taking these like really old school ideas of styles and mixing it up and making a remix. Yeah, a remix, <laughs> a remix for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of grapes. Uh, I know you, you guys just launched your wine named after your daughter, mm -hmm. which yeah. is so cute. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell us more about that. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've always wanted to do wine because you're, you know, you're already sourcing grapes. Mm -hmm. um, how's that been? I know you guys have dropped like two uh, styles already, I think. So we, we did last year, we came out with Falling Hina grapes, which is a white grape varietal. And then we did uh, Carignan and... Um, early on when I was like learning and kind of researching natural wine and tasting and, and, um, doing that whole bit, like I, I was really getting into like the skin contact wines and like the carbonic maceration, um, red wines. And I was really kind of just learning about that. And that was something new that I'd never known about, um, in wine. And so, so when I started like, you know, hearing about how they would ferment under, um, CO2, the CO2 pressure, and then the grape would kind of like ferment within itself. And then the juices would come out and it would be super bright and fruity because there's no oxygen um, to oxidate it. And so like all those things were really intriguing. And so like, that's how we did our Carignan and then the skin contact where, you know, they call it orange wine because you're getting some of that oxidation and you're also getting some of the colors from the skins and things like that. That also wasn't very intriguing to me too. So um, that aspect and along with doing saisons and some of the co-ferments that we did we had done in the past um it just felt like a natural progression going down um and venturing into wine and it just expanded our efforts in fermentation and and learning about the different um you know learning about fermentation i mean it's just so ex you know extensive on what you can learn about it from foods you know cider mead beer all of the different like we we don't want any door to be put in front of us and limit ourselves to that. So wine was that kind of natural progression for us. And yeah, this year was our biggest harvest yet. Um, what did you remember. get this year? <laughs> we got five different grapes. We got Pinot Gris. Uh, one of my favorites is Gewürz Demeanor. Mm. Um, we got ah. Valenhina again, Carignan again, and Ziffendale from Cal Poly, which is uh, the lot across from us as a brewery so that meant a lot oh, cool um that's sick oh so, yeah five different ones and we did a filled blend with one and then we have um five single vari uh, varieties and then we're also using some of those for saisons as well so kind of going multi-use i don't want to derail us too much but i'm curious like coming from brewing beer how much of a learning curve it's been to also now ferment wine and like how you've had to change your space and kind of adapt to yeah. having both in the same facility or if you're kind of splitting it between the two locations, like mm -hmm. how you've kind of integrated having wine into that. Yeah. So it, it actually, it did kind of hit us this year um, that we'll need to kind of prioritize fermenters next year for our wine because it did hold up some of our saisons that we wouldn't typically put in those tanks, mm -hmm. but they were holding wine during this harvest season. And we, cause we got so much, you know, <laughs> the way our brewery works is like, we always kind of just like roll with it. We're like, okay, we'll, we'll get it. And then we'll figure it out. Right. Like we never actually have like a set plan for things and we're kind of just always like on the go and figuring it out. So yeah, I probably should have thought about it a little bit more because then it's like, <laughs> we had, we had a, <laughs> We had a shortage of saison spritz so we had a shortage of saisons and i'm like oh yeah because like 
the wine held up my tanks for like a month, you know, like right. I didn't, I didn't think so about that. But yeah. I, yeah. I didn't think about that, but I was like, gimme, 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 we'll figure it out, you know? And um, put it in the walk-in. Yeah. So <laughs> later on I figured out when like, you know, my manager's like, hey, we're down to like one Saison. I'm like, oh crap, dude. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna get one in the tank next week. So you might have to like outsource, like, or we'll put bottles out or something, you know. But yeah. yeah. Um, it definitely tied up some of our, our stuff and, you know, being how small we are still. Um, yeah, that's that's something that I've already started to plan for next year to figure out, okay, if we get the same allotment of grapes, like how are we going distribute, to distribute that between fermenters and um, and not like not kind of intervene with our production, our beer production as well, because it did this year for sure. Um, but yeah, and, and in terms of in terms of like the difference of like practices and technique and things like that. Um, what I find cool about our wine is we're carrying over a lot of what we've learned from fermenting fruit in saisons. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we look as great as just another fruit like strawberries or peaches mm-hmm. and things like that. And and although it has skin and, you know, it can add texture through those skins um, and you're playing with different acidity levels and things like that. I think what really comes down to it is like, fermenting those without beer on them like how that changes the aspect of it and like right. how like um acetic character can creep in you know or temperature has a big play in how you know how the ferment goes and and um just all the different elements working with you or against you um but we've we've kind of you know with brewing it's it's the same thing so i I, I still have so much to learn in wine and I'm constantly talking with people that make wine and, and figuring out things, but I'm also finding the parallels that relate to breweries um, and brewing Saison specifically um, that I, I find, you know, that are, are relatable in wine. And so it's, it's really cool because you they may call it something different or have different terms and vocabulary for it, but it's exactly the same thing that you're, you're you know, you're facing. I find that wine has their own terms for certain things and then breweries um they use the actual scientific term for it that's like oh. that's the difference you know and but they're, they're essentially talking about some of the same things you know like thp is what we call in the brew world they call it mousy you like they oh, it, you've, you've, you've said that before like you, you know mousy, and then like, we'll yeah. call it like oh this beer tastes acetic and they'll say there's va there's volatile acidity to it so like they have different words but they mean exactly the same thing and you guys and for someone that may not know that they could be talking about the same thing and don't even know it you know but i i was able to kind of like <clears throat> talk to different people and put that to i'm like what's what's volatile sitting they're like oh like uh, acetobacter like you know what's created in vinegar i'm like oh yeah we call that acetic like okay i get it now <laughs> so so it's a, it, there's a lot of parallels um i find but yeah in terms of technique and and practices um we're still figuring things out of of best ways to do it and also to like what we've learned in brewing and i think that's what's so cool about our wine it's like it's like coming from the hands of a saison maker so um there is something unique in that approach i feel like that's awesome are Um, you doing carbonic maceration for everything do you use a press are you getting whole grapes do you get juice like um, I, I get whole grapes. We're doing a prep. We, we de-stem them first and then, and crush them. And then we'll let them sometimes sit in an open vat. Um, or we'll throw whole clusters into a stainless steel fermenter and pre- keep those on pressure, um, until we feel they're ready. Um, and, uh, those are primarily the two different, two different ways we're fermenting them. So either open or, um, or carbonic in a, in a stainless steel under pressure. And then are the grapes then getting, like, seeing a second life after the juice is racked off? Like, are you using that, you know, what remains, like, for beer as well? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes uh, more than, um, we'll sometimes use the skins and uh, the pomace for for beer. And we can get some unique textures in the saisons. can also get some really cool flavors from that because it's it's a lot more dialed back so you still get to taste some of the cool complexities that the beer has but it also has these cool you know aspects of texture from those skins and things like that so we're we're, we're trying to make use of as much product if we have room to do so the the space and room kind of only allows us to do so much but 
Um, but yeah, where we can, we try to save some of those, um, you know, some of the secondary parts of the grapes to referment on top of, make paquette, which we've done before. Um, we've also, um, you know, we also take that, we've also done, um, done untreated wine and fermented it with the beer. We've also taken finished wine and blended that with the beer. So we've used it in all kinds of, every single way we can use it and try different things and s kind of fill out the outcomes. It's fucking tight. <laughs> <laughs> with a brewery like yours that you have completely decided from the beginning to go against the grain and establishing that, um, I've also just realized that when I keep talking because of like where I grew up, I have a habit of having like, um, what's that called? Vocal fry. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm picking up on it. And I, like, I'll, once I, once I, I can hear it, I, I try to like, <clears throat> like go back to my regular voice. So I apologize, you guys. I hate oh, see that. And it's happening right now. So, um, apologies. Um, so yeah, with, with your brewery and being one of the very few that I know that, that continue to maintain this program of, your, of yours with music, your beer, the saisons, the wine, and again, the food and the detail. With your second location in Chinatown, how has the community accepted this style of yours? And not just beer style, but with everything that you've implemented within your brewery, from music uh, to beer styles. Have you been known to be like the... Um, like the hipster brewery of the area or like how did how did that community or that industry out there welcome your new stuff like your yeah like your version of what a brewery looks like in your mind and how you want to see a brewery come to life yeah i i, I think so i mean we've definitely been called that um i you know like i i always i've always looked at the word it's hipster as like something that people kind of frown up frown upon you know but i've always also too looked at that word as someone who um, embraces and appreciates different cultures and kind They're of just like, jealous. Yeah. Kind of like, <laughs> no. like, you know, dives into learning about different cultures or, you know, different things like that and, and, and expressing themselves through the way they dress or their interests um, from what they've done their research and learned and love to learn, um, you know, love. And so, like I, I kind of, yeah, we get that, but I'm just like, okay, well, you know, we, we do, you know, we care about certain things and we want to show those things. And so, but, um, but yeah, I feel like we've, we've, you know, for the most part, we've been um, embraced by, by a lot of different outlets and um, whether that's the DJ community, whether that's the brewing world, whether, um, you know, that's the foodie or um, just going out and, you know, seeing a place with a vision and appreciating the the details that go into that. Um, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's definitely, you know, been successful in that. And, um, you know, we're blessed that that we're, you know, we're still doing what we're doing after COVID and, and all that. And, you know, I, I guess like the consumer lets us know if it's working. And so far, you know, it's it's been working. And, um, I, I mean, I'm just happy that like whatever ideas that my staff or I can come up with uh, can can relate to the consumer and they can, um, you know, find a home or find a favorite brewery in us or whatever that may be. And, you know, as you know, we're, we're right next to one of my favorite breweries in Highland Park. So mm -hmm. like, you know, we can I think we both have a similar demographic who can, you know, kind of hit both of their favorite breweries in LA are in that Chinatown section and kind of, um, you know, appreciate that there is this high appreciation for beer and, um, and we both offer different things. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to see from, from my view, if like how embraced or, or what, you know, is being said or, or about us or how people feel about us. But for the most part, um, like I said, it seems to be, seems to be working and people, um, you know, like what we're doing. So at least I like I how being, being born and raised in LA and seeing how the craft beer industry really took off out there. It makes me extremely happy to see how much the Latino community has been a big part of the craft beer industry and its success. 
out in the West Coast, especially in those areas. Yeah. The times that I walked into your spaces, the way to see our community in there. Yeah. To, have, to see them stay in there, to see them dancing in there. Um, and because you 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 created that space for for the Latino community out there in Chinatown and we're, and for yeah. more like where I grew up out there like in, in South LA and so not only that but it's also like who you employ the people who are pouring behind the bar they there's such a diverse group of people pouring behind the bar and that reflects yeah. who you and Lauren are and also where you guys come from and how you guys grew up and your backgrounds as well as well and your cultures and I love that very much and yeah to know to have known for a while now that you very much chosen to go against the grain and you've you've stuck with that you've you, you know the, there are no um big screen tvs where you're playing sports every single you know every single day that we're in there you've really created something that you know that the industry was missing yeah and and you did that and i know sometimes the industry isn't so willing to make changes or to evolve to create a change that would not only benefit one demographic but if not every demographic that enjoys drinking craft beer, if not building a, like a, what's it called? Like a, like a gateway to be able to, yeah. like an introductory mm-hmm. to beer. Because with the Sprit Saison, what you're doing is you're allowing those who are not really beer drinkers, you're turning them into beer drinkers because of how you created this blend of a wine and a Saison to create a Saison Spritz. So, and that's all from, from you and Lauren having a drink and then this idea coming up. Mm-hmm. So you're not only, you know, you've not only created something that you guys would like to drink, but you've also created something that you could allow other people to drink and enjoy and take like dip their toes in yeah. the beer industry. So you're helping the beer industry on a completely different level by not just introducing um, a beer that has a lot of fruit in it, like a very fruity IPA or a fruity lager. You're incorporating the wine drinker and you're bringing them into the beer world by, by blending both. And and I know it's really hard to see when when you are in that space of yours with running a business yeah. and, and constantly trying to maintain um, an interest within the industry. But with these small changes that you've made, no, not, those aren't small. Those are massive changes that you've made with what people are expecting a brewery to look like. You very much helped change what the craft beer industry should be looking like, if not will be looking like in the future. So you've like, it's always that saying like you walked so that other breweries who are just as creative and would like to create their own method of what they want to be like, you've walked so that they could run. And, and I've said this to you multiple times, but it's something that I truly believe because of what you've built within your program and your spaces. And I feel it and I see it when I walk in there. So I think you guys not only set the example of what I want to see in the industry, but you guys are, are leading and you guys are very much doing what you're supposed to do every single day. And it shows within your staff, the way that your staff are, the way that your brewers are coming out and, and conversing with the, with the customers and even having like Nick coming out. And I was just there for lunch and like Nick yeah. stayed out the whole time with me and just talking about beer and how things could be done. And that, that is because of the relationship that you've built with him and what you've implemented of, as like practices within your, within your environment, within your space. So, I mean, that's why I'm always a fan of your brewery and your product and your food and your music and your style and everything else. I just, I love you guys so much and I can't say that enough. So you, you guys are very much shifting, shifting the industry. And it might not seem like that, seem like that right now because of where you guys are, but I mean, to, from where homage opened, from where you guys started in Chinatown and going into your third year. I mean, I've seen your posts, I've seen your stories. It, it's, it's very much blowing up, like it's growing. And, and I remember like stresses or challenges that every brewer had, I mean, every brewery owner has, you really went from like, all right, let's see how this goes in Chinatown to having DJs coming from different parts of the world to come perform in your space. And you guys open your doors and like anybody who wants to experience this come through. And they are. So I love that very much about your, about what you guys do. So, I mean, I can keep going. So, I mean, I'm going to stop now. I, I, I honestly, uh, <clears throat> no, don't keep going. Cause <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, really like, um, I'll be vulnerable. I mean, like, honestly, you're, 
my heart is beating and racing. I mean, you're just making me like emotional. And I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the underlying part of me, those are all the things that you just said, like, that's what I strive to do. You know, that's what, how offended that, that moved me, <laughs> but no, um, um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's something that I love, you know, brewing and, and this art form is something that I really truly work hard at. And um, I always wanted to make a change in, in the brewing industry and, you know, knowing that you're in New York and, and you're seeing those things, um, it just means the world. Um, but, but yeah, it's, 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 you know, like being, you know, Mexican and, and in the brew world, I mean, at first it was a little bit, you know, scary, kind of like I was one of the few in the very, very beginning, 10 years ago when okay. we started. And, and so, um, you know, trying to push forth um, my ideas and, and working with a group of people that had, you know, the same ideas as me and pushing this brand, um, you hit everything that we were have been and what we strive to do. I mean, like you said it better than I could ever say it. But those are the, those are the internal thoughts that I had exactly, you know, and um, to hear it come out from from someone else, um, you know, just it just means it means a lot. Well, you guys mean a lot to me and I believe in what you guys do and big fan over here on this end from from across the country. You have some <laughs> really you. big fans over here. Yeah, so. I didn't think I'd come on this podcast and get emotional I'm like, this, is, this is a safe space this is why we're here i cry all the time i cried like 20 minutes ago you just couldn't hear me or see me yeah. so it's totally fine um i just want to i want to wrap this up and and um i don't want to keep you too long so i i really want to ask where do you see homage in the next five years i love that i was gonna ask that too mm -hmm. um you know we're, we're just yeah, like we're just gonna keep pushing boundaries and and like the way I want to see our, I want to see our beer, you know, in in a lot of different places. I want to see this, you know, the art and the labels and the and the beer inside of it, just speaking to people. And um, and I want to get it in as many hands as I can. And you know, at first with saisons and stuff, you know, it was all about the supply and demand and creating hype and things like that. And you know, I never intended to do that, but that kind of came with some they came with the territory because of how small our batches were where we had like only 250 or 300 bottles and created this kind of supply and demand thing but but now um you know like i i i'm thinking bigger i i'm thinking career-wise i'm thinking i have a family of three kids and a wife and you know i want to see this brand grow i want to see it be able to venture into much more than just beer but beer being that you know, that grounding platform for me to excel all my ideas. So that's always going to be the foundation of what we're doing is beer. Um, but how can I bounce into different avenues with this brand that are beyond beer? Um, that's where, you know, that's where I want to take this brand. I want to see my beer in, in all kinds of people's hands and places and wherever we go and, um, and, you know, tap into tap into new markets that haven't been tapped into or that didn't know that they take interest in beer and like something that relates to them. And maybe we can find that new person and turn them, you know, into a craft beer drinker um, or someone who knows about craft beer and like talks crap about it, but then tries us and it's like, wait, what was I missing? Like, this is the brewery I want to, this is like what I want to align myself with. And so, you know, if we can do that, um, then I know we're, we're, we're heading down the right path and, and whatnot. So, so yeah, that's just, you know, I think we've kind of set our foundation in the core styles that we like and how we approach those styles. Um, and so that will never change, you know, keeping integrity in that is something that means a lot to me, but, but, um, how we expand the brand in the different avenues is where I kind of see myself in five, five years kind of hopper yeah oh the yeah the most important question of all yeah we can't let you get away what kind of <laughs> hopper you i think i put grunk heist on the question what is that <laughs> i read that and i was like I'm, I'm just gonna wait to learn from him because yeah so please well, because it's like it's like this interesting noble hop but it doesn't have some of the you know 
crazy grassy notes are it's not sometimes people say like noble hops are kind of boring you know so because compared to like some of the crazy some of the crazy you know sea hops out there or the new zealand and you know um southern hemisphere hops and and um but um but yeah grungheist is like one of that one of those hops that kind of has like uh it's like a new school um noble hop that kind of has like a little bit more more zing to it and some cool little things aspect to it but it's still kind of still kind of humble and still kind of um reserved in a way so I find that to be me. I'd like to be like a Strata. I'd like to, but it's just not me. You know? I'd, I'd like to be a Nelson. That's always who I want to be, but I think that's what Instagram's for, right? We watch all those videos and it's like, damn, I wish I could be that person. Oh um, that's so real. But being real with Nelson myself, an influencer? I love it. Nelson is when you have a lot of injectables. Or yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't shine bright like that on, on, um, in terms of personality, I'm very, I'm very kind of laid back and chill. You're, and so, yeah. you're um, noble hop. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm a I'm a cool new hybrid noble hop. You know, Fuck yeah. I'm a little bit, yeah. a little bit boring, a little bit boring, but but there's some there's some new cool things about me that you can find interesting. So wow, oh that's God. spot on, dude. I love it. <laughs> that's oh a good God. answer, my guy. You are far from boring. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> Can't thank you enough for jumping on with us and having this chat. I, I one, I, I love you to the moon and back. You and Lauren are just fantastic people. I consider family. You guys have always welcomed me into your brewery, and I'm so happy that we're able to have this conversation. And um, man, you're the best. So I mean, you guys, I can't wait to be there in two weeks. Thank you so much, and yeah, I'll I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you all of you. I mean this. I, I didn't think I didn't think I'd become uh, vulnerable on this, but uh, but yeah, I appreciate everything you guys are doing. And um, I mean, this is exactly what we need for the brew industry. And I'm glad it's you guys. And so, um, yeah, just being a part of it means the world. So thank you. You're the first to cry, but you won't be the last. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> we'll get them all. <laughs> That's so uh, funny. Okay, you're the best, my dear. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah.